Hey, welcome to the Enduring Churches podcast. I'm Alan. I'm here with Trent, and we are so glad to be with you as we try to help you and your church endure. We've got a question for you today. When you think about ending your sermon, how much time do you really put into the invitation? How much thought do you put into your time of invitation? Um, Trent, um, I think that's a big question a lot of pastors are asking today. Yeah, I, in fact, I just had breakfast with a whole group of pastors and we were discussing this and there's the struggle, you know, of, of um, you know, the invitation and, and some churches don't do an invitation. Some do. Uh, and sometimes the invitation looks differently. So we're going to talk through kind of all the different details of, of an invitation time. Um, and uh, so the question then is, is your invitation inviting? Uh, we want to talk about that today a little bit. And so, Alan, I know that you have have stood in front of your congregation for a number of years, and, and I wrote in my notes that the loneliest place in the whole world is the pastor standing in front of the congregation during the invitation. Well, you know, you you just, I mean, the biggest fear always is, uh, am I standing there and and I am zipped up, right? You know, but you know, it can be. It certainly can be kind of that lonely feeling, especially when you feel like you feel like God's spirit was present and you felt God was moving, and all of a sudden you have a time of response and there's no motion apart from people getting up to to leave early or go to the restroom and. Mm-hmm. you're you're there and you know you know in your heart that god has spoken and and nothing happens that that is an awful feeling but every pastor's right. had it well and and it's hard not to take that personal right i mean because we poured out our hearts in front of our congregation through our sermon and we spent time preparing all that but it's it's like okay god did i do something wrong did they not get anything out of the sermon um, and so we want to what we wonder, is it them or is it us that's causing this lack of movement in an invitation time? And so I, I think maybe one of the first things we need to start talking about, Alan, is what is an invitation? Because not every church does the same thing. Yeah, an invitation. In fact, I, um, the word invitation I stopped using, I tend to call it a time of response now because I think of it more as an opportunity to respond to what it, what it is that God has said to to us um, over the course of, of the message and of the worship service and, and that entire time. But in every, other places, it, it is different. You know, in some places, it's very specific um, for, for certain things. In other places, it's, it's more general. You know, it's almost kind of like a free-for-all. It depends on your theology. It could depend on your denominational stance. You know, you and I were talking, you know, if you you're if you swing more to the charismatic side, you're probably more comfortable with with an end of service type type of event. Um, you know, if you tend to be uh, more um, more mainline, you're probably a little less so that way. So, you know, you do every, every church is probably a little different. You're right, Alan. And so depending on the the church that you're a part of, um, and maybe if you've been a part of another uh, denomination or another church earlier or grew up in a different denomination, you may be frustrated 
when things don't aren't happening the same way and maybe sometimes the understanding the expectations that your church currently has um, I know that in Southern Baptist churches, there's usually an ex expectation that there's going to be an invitation at the end of the service. Now that is changing some, but that that has been an expectation for a long, long time. Well, and that's kind of what I was thinking about when you when I saw the the subject. And thank you for putting this note together, um, Trent. But you know, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking back to my time growing up. And it was not uncommon early, especially in the 70s, to see on any given Sunday, you know, 20 people lined up across the, the platform of my church, introducing them as members, or they've made a decision to follow Christ, or they had made a decision to rededicate their lives to Christ. We would baptize four or five people a week. Uh, you know, I was in a mm -hmm. church that one year led the entire Southern Baptist Convention in baptisms. And so I saw a lot of baptisms that year. And, you know, when I'm pastors, go to a church that had 60 people and I'm pastoring them. Yeah, um, it was frustrating in a way for me to, to realize that I didn't fill up the, the, the front every week. And so that was mm -hmm. at times a, a challenge that I had to get used to, to feeling in my life. And then I moved to Colorado and certainly the culture and expectation was different there than it was even in the Bible Belt where I had been. Right. And so I'm glad you brought that up, Alan, because different parts of the country are also, I mean, you've got different denomination culture. You've got even different towns and different parts of the country. Um, the group that I was meeting with this morning, you know, that we were talking about this, this culture, you know, some churches have a culture of that people are used to coming to the front to pray or to pray with a pastor or to respond in some way. And then other churches definitely do not have that same culture. And there's no, as you mentioned earlier, no movement that happens uh, at the end of the service. And, and so coming in, especially as a new pastor, maybe, that can be really, it's like, if you're not aware of that and nobody has talked to you about that, it can be really confusing and frustrating. No doubt. <laughs> We, we, you and I are in a situation where we are in different churches every week. And that's mm -hmm. usually one of the questions I'm asking. How do you normally handle a time of response? How do you handle the mm -hmm. invitation at, at the end of a service? And that's usually one of the questions, the things that they want to fill in with me is let me know right. um, how they typically do that. Um, you know, I never really expected to be asked, well, do you plan to have one? I always plan to have one. I mean, yeah, it's just, that's right. It's, it's just how I roll. But mm -hmm. I recognize today that not every pastor does. Uh, they feel it's a little bit different um, to do that. Mm. Yeah, you're right. And so the that's the assumption, you know, that we walk into a service. And you and I, like you said, we preach at a different church most Sundays. And so... Um, we have an expectation that we're going to have an invitation or a time of response after each sermon um, based on, you know, what we're doing, what we've been called to do. And, uh, but let me ask you this, is it important to have an invitation during every service? What do you think about that, Alan? That's a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> 
It, I think it, 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 you know, a matter of, you know, it could depend. I feel like most of the time you should. This is just, again, this is Alan's opinion and it doesn't it mean a whole lot. I don't think you have to, but I think that there is a model in scripture, you know, that people respond to the word and that we should have an expectation that when the word is proclaimed, that people want to respond. I think maybe for me, the, the even bigger question is how do we expect people to respond to the word of God today? And I don't think we ask that question enough. Right. Well, and so, you know, how not only how do we expect, but how do we direct, um, you know, because not every service is a, you know, big time evangelistic service. I think every every service has an opportunity because we don't know how the Holy Spirit's speaking to people. Um, but even if a service is aimed really at, at the body of Christ and, you know, doing something else, you can always direct them during an invitation time to pray about something specifically or to give something, uh, you know, maybe there's something that they're holding back from God, um, a sin in their life. And so we can invite them to, hey, come to the altar. I did that a number of times, you know, inviting people to, I'd have slips of paper on the on the altar and they could come and get one and write down the, their um, confession and, and, and give it to God. And we burn things, we nail things to the cross. We did all kinds of stuff during invitations. Um, and so we can, we have the expectation, but we also also should, as pastors, direct our people on how to respond. Yeah, so direction and expectation, I, th I think those are good words regarding a, a, an invitation. Now, Trent, you didn't answer that question. So do you think it's important to have an invitation during every service? Well, you know, I, I've kind of changed horses on this. Um, I used to think, no that you know if it, if it, the service is really aimed at the church body then no it's not an evangelistic time but like i just said I, I think i've changed my mind because i can call for a response no matter what the topic is because i there should be an action that you're when you're preaching to someone there should be an action that you're expecting them or telling them they need to take in order to move closer to God, move away from sin, whatever. There should be an action that we're calling people to do. So in other words, you're taking the application and saying the application based on what it is in that message is really the invitation that we're inviting right. you to apply what you have learned today and asking people to make a commitment to apply that. And that's really the, the invitation. That's kind of why I started calling, calling that time the response time. You mm -hmm. know, it's a chance to respond to the message today. And so that's one right. of the reasons that I kind of changed my own personal terminology there. Well, and... I think a couple of things. First of all, the, the more immediately you can get people to take a step of action, the more likely it, that message is to stick with them. And so um, you want that message to stick with them, to, for them to apply that. Um, and, and you also, you know, pastors, I think, miss out because they don't, 
A lot of pastors don't put a lot of thought because you mentioned this since we started today. The question, you know, have you put a lot of thought into how you end your service? And unfortunately, I don't think pastors do spend enough time thinking through how they would end. Because if it's just an add-on, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but of saying, okay, you know, I preached about this whole other topic. And now I'm going to end the service. And so I'm going to say, hey, if you'd like to receive Christ as your Savior, then do this. It's not, it doesn't flow. And so the invitation may not always be that asking people, you know, to trust Jesus. You can always offer that. But if your services, your message is about some other topic, then do your invitation based on that topic and a call to action for that. I think that's a great word on that. You know, put the put the emphasis where it belongs. Don't don't close out all opportunities, but but leave that that possibility there. Now, Trent, um, you know, most of the response times that I've been a part of, invitations I've been a part of, have songs, and someone <laughs> is singing, and I find that to be easier than when they're fully just instrumental which seems almost counterintuitive uh, but the problem i find sometimes with just the instrumental one instrumental ones is that people don't know what to do if they're not moving and i struggle a little bit more with those do you find that the music has an impact on how how it takes place oh yeah the choice of songs whether even even in this instrumental or singing songs uh, the choice of songs can, can make a big difference and so thought you know and that's this is a great time for pastors and music leaders to work together you know say hey this is where i'm aiming let's pick a song that fits and flows with that but i agree you know people when if it's just instrumental and they're just standing there it's hard to you know, it's like, well, okay, what do I do? So that's where you as a pastor can direct them. Hey, would you do me a favor? Even while this instrumental, while the pianist is playing, will you bow your heads and will you pray through these specific things with me? And, and lead them through a time of, of guided prayer. And then say, you know, hey, while we're going through this prayer time, if you have a need, if there's something that God is really touching you or speaking to your heart, please come down to the front while everyone's praying. Nobody's going to be upset if you nudge past them, you know, but you can do both. You can guide in both of those. And, uh, you know, the, having a song while so people are singing, they're more involved in that time is good too. And I think the other part of that, Trent, is, you know, to train your worship leaders too, to have a plan of action for response. You know, are you going to start? Is there a backup song to go into? Is there a way to lengthen it out if you need to have a longer time and to be available with that? And that really happens over time, but you need to talk about it and you need to be prepared um, for that. You know, what are we going to do if we do that? You know, I also think that, the, the you know, a lot of times you might think, oh, this song would be great, the perfect response, but it might not be the right tempo or something oh, yeah. time of response. And mm -hmm. I think you have to think about all those other details too, you know, when you're thinking about the time, time of response. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If it's a loud upbeat song, it may not, it may work great at a youth conference, 
but it may not work great in your sanctuary with, you know, with a lot of senior adults. They may not appreciate that. And it may be off-putting to them um, to where they don't respond and, and can't hear what you're saying, what you're asking of them. Right. I'll give you an example. Um, we had a song we used to sing in Colorado um, that was a song about evangelism. And it was really mm -hmm. upbeat. It was it was fun to sing. And I was preaching a message about the Great Commission. Well, we should do this one as the response. You know, and we talked about it, why that probably wasn't a good idea. But mm -hmm. we did use it at the end of the service to go out. We, but we, we chose something different so we could have people focus on praying for someone mm -hmm. that they knew who didn't know Christ. Um, and that song would not have helped with that time of response in that way. And so we wanted to make sure that that it gave people a chance to think. And sometimes it is hard hard to think. I, I like to rock it up and do all those kinds of things. Yeah. But I do know, <laughs> yeah. I do know if, if I'm, I'm too busy kind of doing that thing, I'm not. I'm not focused in thinking on, on other mm -hmm. things. So, you know, I think those subtle things and they may seem, well, that's not very spiritual, but it's very real. It's very practical. Mm -hmm. And those are things that you do have to think about when you're talking about an invitation. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so, uh, and we've kind of talked through this and talked around this, but every invitation doesn't have to be the same. Um, as you, as you're thinking through your service, um, do some planning toward the end. And this include your music people, um, help them, get them to help you. And as Alan said, hey, what happens if you have um, somebody that needs to pray for a length of time or there's multiple people that come to the front during invitation time? Um, is there a way to lengthen the time and not be looking at each other like, what are we going to do next? You know, I already have that planned. You know, where are we going from here music wise? So keep those things in mind. Yeah, you know, Trent, so do you ever do the every head bowed, every eye closed, ask people to raise a hand? I've only done that just a very few times. I know Dr. Roy Fish, that was his a big deal to him. You know, he had, would have people stand where everybody's seated and heads bowed, or he would have people raise their hands, um, things like that. And that's that. You know, it works well for some people. Well, and you know, I was, I remember Craig Groeschel talking about how that's a big thing in, in their church, life church. You know, here you've got a super contemporary church, a church, um, you know, that's very cutting edge. Um, but their, their invitation is, is very old school um, in a lot of ways. And I, I tell you that not to say everyone should do that. I've done that on occasion if I felt felt it needed to be done that, that way. But I do think it's possible to just remember that mixing it up some uh, keeps people ready to respond. You know, mm -hmm. familiarity can be a problem for getting people to move sometimes. And so doing things a little bit differently from time to time can be, can be very beneficial um, to us. You know, I've even yeah. used the Lord's Supper as part of the response time. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's real good. Well, and that, I think that also takes away your clock watchers, right? You know, those guys that are looking at the, it's like, oh, okay, this is happens about time to, we're almost out of here. 
the more you change it up every once in a while, that takes them and gets them focused more on the service than on their watch. That's a good deal. Yeah, now, what about, um? you know, we haven't talked about specifics, but what about dealing with children and students who might come forward? Because you're going to obviously want to treat them maybe a little bit differently from adults. Well, and um, this kind of is one of the tips on uh, making your invitation more inviting is we, I want to, I guess, say don't pressure people and especially children and youth. Um, I just had a, a conversation last week. I was at a children's camp and talking to the guy who was serving as the camp pastor, and he had a lot of insight, and he he was concerned about this. He didn't want to pressure children during that camp to make a decision, and I've seen guys that just, oh, man, they, I, I walked away from a service saying, okay, this was not the way to do it um, different times because there's guys I've seen that have just pressured kids into making decisions. And we don't want to do that because we want it to be a real decision. And so, you know, as you're dealing with children and youth, that's one of the things I think is so important is that you're not pressuring, pressuring them into making a decision that they're not prepared for. Um, and so I think the younger people students and children it's very needs to be very conversational and uh you know getting on their level even as children if they're coming to the front then you're on your knees you know you're you're talking to them on your knees face to face things like that what what comes to mind for you alan well i think that especially with children one of the things i would do is i'd sit down and talk to them uh, pray with them but i would also know that i wasn't going to be able to deal with that in this service and so I'd say, man, this is awesome. I want to talk to your parents. Um, I'm going to meet with you guys right after the service. And I'd set up a, a conversation, whether that was that afternoon in the in the church or it was to come to their home. Sometimes the parents are like, mm, they, they sometimes know their kids better, right? And they're like, right. Um, you know, well, so-and-so, their best friend got baptized last week. And so I think they're thinking more about how they want – to be the center of attention than they are really what it means to follow Christ. And I had some very intuitive parents with that who, who would say, you know, I really want my kid to bug me about this. I want mm -hmm. them to tell me how important it is to them. And so I always appreciated those. Well, I would, I would approach kids, you know, very cautiously because I was mishandled as a kid during an invitation. And so I don't want that to happen to me, but I do think it's important to treat our kids um, respectfully and to also remember their parents need to be a part of that conversation if at all possible. And we want them to be a part of that conversation if at all possible. So absolutely. I think, I think that's good stuff. I also think Trent, we're in a day too where adults, you know, walk an aisle, but they're not walking it so much spontaneously like they used to do because their background is different. Right. Yeah, I was the group of pastors that I was meeting with this morning. Um, all almost all of them said that during an invitation time, there's been hardly anyone come spontaneously. It's always been somebody they've already visited with um, about they you know came to them privately and asked a decision. And adults as well, you know, for sure. But then you know they would come to make that public. And I think that's a big part of the invitation time is making a decision public before a church family. 
um, to join a church or to receive Christ as your Savior. Those, those are things that need to be made public because, because we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, right? Um, and so it, those, those things need to be made public, but you're right that it's not a spontaneous thing usually. There's some things leading up to it. So we've talked about a lot of different things with your response or invitation time. We've got some tips. We've talked about most of these. We've mentioned most of these, but let's kind of run down some of these these tips a little bit, Trent. Um, the first thing is to know your audience. W- what do you mean by that? Well, I think, you know, if you're doing um, a retreat, say you're doing a youth retreat, your invitation response time is going to be different than your typical Sunday morning service. And you're going to speak a little bit differently. You're going to act a little bit differently. Um, children's camp we had last week, we had a, our final time was in front of a campfire and the, the camp pastor did a great job of directing that. And so, you, you know, if it's children, predominantly children, you're going to do something different. If it's youth, you're going to do something different. If it's a church um, typical church service, you're going to do things differently. So just think about who's who's in this, the congregation. Yeah, I would encourage you don't sit, sit around in your sermon and think about who you're preaching at each week. But do think about who's responding each week. I think that's a <laughs> that's a two different things. And I think that can be a, a, a good help for you when you think about that. The second thing, don't pressure you mentioned this um, with children's camps. But we we've all been in high pressure um, invitations and they feel funny. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, pastors can be really good at guilt trips, but guilt trips don't last long. And so, you know, some pastors or evangelists I've seen, they're big time and they wanted to make sure they had the numbers that they could tell the next church, Hey, I had so many people respond, but it was all a, a pressure. Deal. And and so I would much rather have um, somebody who was had really thought about the decision that they're making and that they're coming to it of their own free will and not feeling pressured into that. Uh, to me, that's very much an important deal. Yeah, because as pastors, we should know the story. You know, we know the story behind the story. I remember a gentleman um, years ago, we were praying for him. Um, several guys, including me as his pastor, were working in his life, um, building a relationship with him. He started coming to a Monday night football um, Bible study that we did at halftime. And, you know, I, I'm excited, man. I'm going to get to lead him to the Lord. And and um, I was scheduling a revival. I had a country guy come in and, and he led him to the Lord at, at the revival. Mm-hmm. And it was great. You know, I mean, it was it was the right time and the and a good invitation that was ready for him. You know, the God mm-hmm. spoke it in his language and 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 that closed that closed it out. You know, if we hadn't done the the preparatory work though, it might right. not have been the same. And so, you know, don't don't assume that it was all that one guy's invitation. It's because God used all of us and all of our skills um, mm-hmm. in that process. So, um, Trent, one of the ones I'm passionate about here is creating the right atmosphere. Um, Mm -hmm. You and I were talking about the atmosphere. One of the things that encourages me about invitations going forward is 
the group of kids I see who are genuinely growing in their faith, I see them in so many churches coming to the front, leading the way of prayer. These mm-hmm. kids know how hard it is to go to school and be different. You know, when all their friends are watching, you know, all kinds of filth on on their on television or on their iPads or or, or whatever. And these kids are trying to love their friends. Man, they have a heart to pray for for their friends. And so they they're creating a culture of movement in a whole different way from generations past. And that really encourages me. Oh, absolutely. And so I would gosh, I would encourage that. You know, if it's the children that lead us, then let them lead and encourage them to do so. I had, you know, there was a group of fourth, fifth, and sixth grade boys um, that I've seen in a church that they really did do that, Alan. They were leading, and they would come to the altar, and they would pray. And you knew, you knew they were genuine about this. And so it was a challenge to us as adults to join them in praying, you know. So I'm, that makes me proud of those kids, and it makes me excited about the future when I see that. And so, yes, build that atmosphere, and whether it's through the kids or hopefully through your adults, give them opportunities to respond in ways that are right and natural, but, but allow them to pray. You know, um, don't make them feel like they're on the spot if they come up and they pray and, and uh, you don't know how to end that or whatever. Don't, don't make people feel like they shouldn't mm-hmm. have gone up there. And I've seen that happen too. So make sure that you you carve out the time to do that and for people to be comfortable in that and ask people to join them in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the time, what you mentioned, that's really important. Don't Don't make people feel rushed because it's usually taking them a long time to get the guts up to make that decision or to come forward. And... And don't make them feel rushed. And if you don't feel like you have the time, then say, hey, would you mind sitting here for just a minute? Because I really want to visit with you after the service a little bit more. Don't feel like, well, the song's about the end. I better, by golly, I better wrap this up, you know. Give yourself time. And if it means them playing another song, then play another song, you know. Buses will wait. So know your audience, don't pressure, create the right atmosphere. And then the last one, Trent, don't make it an add-on. Mm-hmm. I think this really goes together with the atmosphere deal. Um, you know, Before we mentioned about um, your invitation can be different based on the topic that you're preaching about or the passage of scripture you're preaching on. And so um, don't just make it, oh, well, we've got to do an evangelistic invitation, and I haven't been talking about this the whole time, Um, make it flow together. And, you know, the atmosphere part of this too is, you know, we would, we would take time and we would not only plan the songs, but we would plan what was on the screen. We would plan how to dim the lights just a little bit, because we knew that that made people feel a little bit more comfortable moving around and coming forward as if the lights were down just a little bit. And so, Uh, If you'll take some time and and plan through it, you can make any service, no matter what you're preaching on, you can make it a really great time ending and and, and calling for action. And it, it may not be an evangelistic time, but it can still be an incredible time of action for your church. 
All right. Well, we hope we have found found a way to help you make your invitations more inviting. And we also want to invite you to continue to join us. So pass this on. Pass this uh, episode on to some of your friends. We'd love to encourage them um, in their walk with Christ and in their ability to help them and their church endure. So thanks again for taking time to listen to us. And we look forward to catching you next week.